Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Legacy Cafe podcast with your host, Rob Lucy. Rob is the author of the book, How Will You Be Remembered? A Guide for Creating and Enjoying Your Legacies Now. So grab yourself a cup of coffee and find yourself a seat in the Legacy Cafe. Here's Rob. Thanks, Kathy. Yes, this is Rob Lucy. Hi, everyone. You know, part of the Legacy Cafe's purpose, a big part of it is to find and preserve stories we just don't want to disappear. And if you have somebody whose story you want, and but you don't know where to start, well, this episode is for you. It's about getting some fabulous stories, stories that are wanting out. They're wanting out from special keepsakes and heirlooms and artifacts and images. And we might have thought these were just things, but we never knew that these these physical things could open up a whole new world of stories from the, the, the people we're talking to, parents, grandparents, good friends, etc. Let me, let me give you a story to show what I mean. I was raised, and I, one of the things I remember in the living room was a jagged piece of metal. And, and I, it, it didn't seem like a great thing to have in the living room, but anyways, it was there. When I started talking to my father about doing our book, which you may have learned a little bit about, I learned about what this metal meant. He was in... England in 1941, as most guys went over there to start training for the war. They were in a place called Aldershot, and he was asleep one night, and they were bombed. And in all the confusion and smoke and the injured and the dead, it was not a great place to be. So when the light came up the next morning, he found a piece of shrapnel embedded in the wall just beside where Dad was sleeping, right by his head. If his head was a foot this way, I wouldn't be here. And I've seen it all, I've seen it for years then. He had it mounted in a brass base and he had written on the brass base, so close, period. Aldershot, England. And uh, in our house as a year as a kid, I, I looked at it, I didn't know what it meant, but when I started, when we did the book, I asked him about it and the story came out with a lot more details that I won't bore you with now. But it was a little artifact that told a great story of his life. Online with me now are three story finders and tellers and personal historians and people who have uh, have their own experiences of stories buried in some personal treasures and those three people are Nechami Margolis in Brooklyn, Marjorie Turner Holman in Bellingham, Massachusetts and Steve Pender in warm Tucson. Hi guys. Hello, thank you Hi. for having hey, us. Hey Rob. This started this way, of the three of you, what ha who has a surprising story? Something you never thought would come out of a physical item that um, kind of took you in a new direction. Well, um, well, I'd love to tell it about a, a box my sister handed me and said, this has got a bunch of letters from our parents. It's kind of mushy. You know, you just may not even want it. Well, I started reading them and I found out it was the entire courtship correspondence of my dad to my mother in the year before they were married. But as I read it, I realized there was a lot more than just courtship and, and mushy stuff that um, a lot of that I left out, but I, I saw that there was some information about an uncle who had been murdered and um, finding out what my dad did to try to get justice for this uncle of his who, who had died so violently. Um, it did gave they, me a whole different view of that. And did they find the murderer? You know, they... From what my dad said, they pretty much felt like they knew who it was, but they'd never had enough proof. But um, it, it gave me a whole different understanding of the things that 
caring family members will do, whether it's going to court and sitting through an, an inquest, um, all of these things that we never had talked about. But once I'd read these letters, I was able to go back to my dad and say, tell me about that. He didn't want to yeah. talk about it a lot, but, it, but I was able to piece all of those things together that we never did didn't know. I had to change the chapter from courtship and marriage to courtship, marriage, and murder. <laughs> a great title for your next book. <laughs> yeah, Nakami, do you have a, a story from you that uh, maybe surprised you from an item? Yeah, I had this um, elderly gentleman that I went to interview. His family wanted me to do it, and he kept insisting that he had nothing to say, and that his life wasn't interesting, and um, he was about 93, I think. So finally I said, look, let's take out some photos. And I see there's this picture of him. He's in uniform. He has this, he has a medal. It was a Purple Heart medal. So I'm like, okay, so tell me what you did to do that. Um, so And these stories started pouring out. I mean, he actually had done nothing to get the medal. As he got to the gate um, of the city, the, the, the war was over. Um, he just happened to be part of the regiment that got it. But he started, he was in Camp Ritchie and he was um, interrogated German prisoners after the war. He had fascinating stories. Um, and it really just came because he was able to look at some pictures and tell the stories that went along it. Pictures are probably the best way to get some stories out of them. Steve, have you got a, a hard item? Could be a picture or something else that uh, surprised you with a good story? Yeah, well, this uh, this isn't as dramatic as a murder or maybe war, but uh, yeah. one of Marjorie, Marjorie wins of, on the drama scale. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> but uh, I'll look for that one on on PBS sometimes, Marjorie. Oh, but, thank you. Uh, yeah, but uh, one of my prized possessions I can I can speak from personal experience here is I, I have a, a 1930 Atwater Kent console radio. It's the radio that my my mom's parents used to have in their living room and. You know, my mom grew up listening to, listening to that radio and all the, you know, Orphan Annie and all those great radio dramas and things. And uh, they had kept it up in their attic. And I became interested in radios I was growing up. And I said, please keep it. <laughs> you know, I want that. And uh, so uh, I did in the fullness of time. I got that radio and uh, restored it. And now it's, you know, it's here in my home. But I had my mom, and I grew up in New Jersey, my mom was still out there, and, and she came to visit a couple of years ago, and I, I thought, you know, I don't want to be totally Shoemaker's kid about, you know, about this videobiography business, I want to sit my mom down and interview her, you know. And uh, so we did, and uh, we had the radio sitting right there next to her, and I asked her what it was like, you know, with that, growing up with that radio, and she told me. <laughs> It was just a really cute little story. So uh, she, one of the shows she used to listen to was, and you may have heard this title, Jack Armstrong, All-American Boy. And uh, it came on at a certain time in the afternoon. And the time the show began always coincided with the time her dad, my grandfather, got home from work. And they had a dog, a black cocker spaniel named General. And it was just, it was just very fun. As soon as the theme from Jack Armstrong came on, the dog made a beeline for the front door and waited for my grandfather. And uh, so it just, it, it's not something terribly dramatic, but it's just a cute 
picture that uh, my mom painted and uh, you know that uh, that was prompted by that that radio and that i i remember every time i passed that radio in my house so uh hmm. so that was my experience have any of you sat down with a client or somebody whose story you're gathering and and held on to an artifact of any sort and it just poured forth with emotion it opened up some doors that maybe the storyteller hasn't uh hasn't opened in a long time I interviewed a, a lady who was in middle-stage middle uh, Alzheimer's, and her daughter was desperate to get a few stories from her mother, so she picked the, the legacy pictures like Tom had advised with the legacy stories, and um, we had a picture of her as a child with a parrot, and all of a sudden this woman who was in middle-stage Alzheimer's was telling us about the parrot, and... Um, she started saying, Polly want a cracker? Polly want a cracker? And it was just this, she was a different person, you know, of, of just this enthusiasm and this sweetness of memory that was inspired by this picture. And um, her, her daughter was just in tears. It, it meant so much to have that recorded of her mother. And when her mother died, that was one of the first things she wanted to make sure she had to that recording. Yeah, good. Nehami or Steve, any emotion pour out of artifacts that you've dealt with? Uh, sure, I, I can go. Uh, I, I worked with a, a lady, an elderly lady, uh, uh, several years ago, creating her life story on video, and she grew up uh, on a farm in Quebec, and she uh, showed me a coin that had been issued by uh, Canada, who was a commemorative coin um, uh, that commemorated sugaring, you know, the act of collecting maple syrup, sap, sap from maples and turning it into maple syrup. And that just prompted her to just pour out this wonderful, wonderful remembrance of uh, the experiences she had with her grandfather on the farm. After the first thaw, they'd hook up a sledge to her favorite horse, and they'd ride through the, uh, you know, through the forest to the trees, uh, and and on the sledge would be a big barrel, and they'd stop at each tree, and they'd they'd already been tapped, and they'd pour the, the sap from each can into the barrel, and then back through the woods to the sugaring shed where a fire was blazing, and they would pour in the sap, and her grandfather and some other farm workers would cook that down to make the syrup, and and then. And then, if there had been a fresh snowfall, her uh, her grandmother would take some of the syrup and just go out onto the uh, you know into the yard and onto the fresh snow, just pour strips of the syrup, which would harden, and they'd roll it up onto wooden spoons and lick it. And and you could her you could just see how all involving this memory was for her. It was just a wonderful, wonderful uh, experience of childhood and bonding with her grandfather. And it just all came from looking at this, at this coin. And it was really, it was, it was just a wonderful story to hear and to, and to capture on video. Nakami, I've got a question for you in a second, but just a quick thing. You might've heard this in some of the other episodes. There's, I, I use this metaphor of the, the frozen river in the middle of winter come about May when the weather, when the weather is warmer and the water starts creeping down from the mountaintop and it goes under the ice soon the river breaks and it's a huge explosion and the ice is flowing does that happen when people tell tell one story 
it tell a story holding an artifact perhaps and then it just unleashes a whole lot of stories it kind of loosens things and and gets the storyteller telling more have you experienced that in the family or anything close to that um yeah i think the most dramatic um case i had of that was this man who came to me who um he had wife has had recently died <clears throat> and he came into my house carrying you know literally a suitcase he's like don't worry i'm not moving in and he starts piling things on the table um different artifacts that he had had from her some diaries letters that he wrote um pictures things that she put together but in a way because there was so much he was he was so stuck he didn't know where to start he didn't know what to say he wanted to tell her story he wanted her words and her life to be out there in the world but he just felt frozen um with um really by the magnitude of his grief and of the amount of things that he had um it had actually been like this ongoing stress in their marriage that she saved everything um and now he came to a point where she was gone but he had all these things that she saved so i just had him start with one thing you know he was worried what's the story going to be how are we going to tell it i'm like just take one thing and just talk about that one thing and um he started with a letter that he'd written to her and it was a letter that was folded and refolded hundreds of times because she had wanted letters like these these romantic kind of letters that he hadn't written and there was so much grief from his side realizing like how easy it was to make her happy um but there was this joy that he had given her that letter and as he spoke about that just this whole story emerged um and it was he he spoke about a lot of other things and he you know there was a diary that she had written from when she was 12 starting from 12 years old um they had been dating since they were in middle school so he was in there you know entry after entry and um he was a tough businessman but he just started crying and as he went through each item he just became more and more emotional and it cut through so much um that that he had been hiding that had been under underneath and through telling these stories he really again he like I mean we wrote it we I wrote it up for him and we put it all together but he felt like he had been like through this you know excavation um psychologically emotionally uh and this process was so powerful but it really started with just taking one thing and just starting to talk he didn't need to know where it was going just the act of one item was enough to get him started. Yeah, this guy kind of goes back to that story that question we talked about a while ago about releasing some emotions. Did he give at the end of this when you got the project done was he thankful to have poured all this out was it uh, did it open some doors did it drain a drain the swamp to use uh, Yeah, absolutely. It was interesting because his wife she knew she was dying and she had told him, you know, promise me that you'll remarry but don't forget me <laughs> and this process was so important for him because he was remembering her he was memorializing her but he felt he told me he's like I feel like I'm going to be able to to do this to go into a new marriage and get it right this time um and he really felt that this process helped give him so much 
um, vision into his, not vision, I don't know if that's the right word, but um, perspective into his past, into his marriage, and just kind of put it all together and help him heal and help him move on. There are people listening to us now who are going to go, listening to the four of us, who are going to want to gather the story of somebody whose story they don't want to disappear. Guys, what can you give our listeners? Steve, what do you got? Well, uh, yeah, we'd spent some time during this, this uh, session talking about uh, ways that people can start projects. And, and, and one of the issues I know that especially do-it-yourselfers have when, they, when they're trying to get something like this going is thinking about, well, what to ask. A lot of them don't know quite where to start. And so what I've done is I've created a list of about 45, quote-unquote, starter questions, just generic questions that will uh, act as prompts. You know, and, and that uh, folks can can use as they're written or can adapt for their uses. So, uh, so uh, I'm offering a PDF containing those questions. Good. Marjorie, what do you got for us? Uh, I like to think about what what are you going to do to be able to share this. I'm always thinking about sharing things, and so this world of personal history brought me into the world of self-publishing, and um, there's a lot to it. But I put together a, a self-publishing 101 handout that gives you some, it's not exhaustive by any means, but it can get you started with an understanding, dipping your toe into the, the world of self-publishing so that you actually know that you could turn your, your stories into a book that you can be proud to share with other people. And it isn't going to break the bank. You also don't have to have an exclusive uh, publishing contract with somebody that says this is going to be a bestseller. It's not hard, I think, is what Marjorie is saying, is to turn it into a book. There's all sorts of resources. Nishami, what have you, uh, have you got something we can give away? Yeah, so I have an ebook um, called Family History Made Easy. It's never really easy, but as easy as it can be. Um, and it just, it's tips and um, advice and different ways to help you get started, ways, powerful ways to recall memories, um, some more advice about a little bit what we've been talking about here of gathering together artifacts and some more details about that. Well, those are some great gifts and they can be found here at LegacyCafe.org forward slash keepsakes. That's LegacyCafe.org forward slash keepsakes. I, I highly recommend you download them. I think you'll enjoy them. And remember, this is all about what those little storytellers are, the letters, the pictures, the paintings, the trophies, the plates, the carvings, all that stuff in the house that have embedded in them a story that you can get out and don't let it, don't let it be lost. I'd like to thank Mashami Margolis, who uh, is, I think you're called writingthesoul.net. Steve Pender is in warm Tucson, and he's called <laughs> Family Legacy Video. Marjorie, is there a name of a company that we could... Uh, uh, MarjorieTurner.com. MarjorieTurner.com. Well, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> thank you, folks, very thank much you. for joining us. Thank you. Well, thanks for thank having you. us. Thank Most you. Most enjoyable. This is the Legacy Cafe. I'm Rob Lucy. We will see you again next time. Thanks for listening to the Legacy Cafe podcast. We have lots of great conversations coming your way. And by the way, if you want us to send you reminders that a new podcast is ready for you, go to LegacyCafe.org to subscribe. That's LegacyCafe.org. Have a great day. And remember, the coffee and conversations are always hot at the Legacy Cafe. Mm -hmm.